my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. What a what weather we're having at the present time. I'm also your drive time host every Tuesday and Wednesday, and it is fantastic uh, to be able uh, to share with you uh, on each of those two days. Welcome, welcome, uh, welcome. Uh, this week, we're looking at the relevance of Easter in a post-biblical world. Easter, of course, is coming up this uh, coming weekend. Uh, we've entitled the overall week, The Cross is Not Enough, because the cross, of course, without the resurrection is, in fact, not enough. Um, today, uh, we've got a uh, a question that so many people have asked. That question, of course, is did Jesus really exist? Yesterday, uh, we looked at uh, the uh, the background to uh, Easter, and we did see that there is pagan traditions tied up uh, in this uh, uh, in this weekend. But we're looking now at some of the very practical questions that uh, um, many people do actually ask. You know, today it's did Jesus Jesus really exists tomorrow. We're moving on to the resurrection. Uh, did the resurrection really occur? And then on Thursday, uh, we're going one step further and say, well, why does the resurrection matter anyway? Uh, to me, this is going to be a really exciting uh, week. Uh, this uh, will be something that I think you will uh, long remember. It is wonderful to have you with us. Now, today, our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now, Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in Adelaide. Now, welcome to you, Eric, once again. Well, thank you, Gary, and it's great to be here on Tuesday night. What a what a what a wonderful day! We and we a better cool weather, but uh, still got my shorts on. I'm still loving the. Well, you are a Kiwi from way back, actually, and I'm surprised how many Kiwis wear shorts and jandals uh, in the uh, in the middle of winter. Yeah, well, you know, daylight savings come and gone, but we can live with that. <laughs> Tell me something. We've got Easter long weekend coming up this weekend. Uh, what are you going to be doing? Are you going away? Uh, yeah, well, no, no, I'm staying. Put this. Uh, this Easter, but uh, we usually visit family. Um, probably head off to see my son at uh, Clear, which will be an, a lovely day. Spend a day with him, and I'm helping out my son. He's uh, he's got this um, greenhouse. He had a, a damaged by hail, so he's had a replacement one sent to him, and it's got about three thousand bits to it, and you got to put it all together yourself. So he's he's at, it's like Noah's Ark. He's got it in his garage because you got to have flat ground out of the wind because it's this plastic polynoid stuff that that moves around so he's put it in his garage he's erected it in his garage and uh, when it's all finished we're going to all pick it up about six or eight of us pick it up keep it steady and walk it around to where it's going to go so it's like Noah's Ark at the moment it's in a garage sounds like a gigantic Meccano set oh it's a do shock. you remember the Meccano sets I do I do I used to have one of them but I, you know I think the instructions you know you got to got everything just right and we're working through it but it's it is taking shape he's just putting the roof panels on tonight 
uh, and getting it ready for Easter. And we're going to have this. Um, I think we'll invite round a few of the the good Vanuatu and blokes, those big strong fellas, to get. Yeah, us no, ec- excellent idea. Go. Excellent idea. No, you can have a lot of fellowship too when you're building these things. I mean, to me, I find interpreting the instructions is half the challenge <laughs> in uh, in some of these, and, and especially when you've got parts left over at the end. And that's uh, a problem. very dangerous. Yeah, but uh, also at uh, Bird, we're having an Easter program, and Julie, uh, one of the ladies there, and Leanne putting together a uh, half past ten. We're not having Sabbath school. We're actually running, and we're making. So a, this, a, this is on Saturday, Easter Saturday. Saturday. Yep. Uh, what is it that you're running? Uh, we're running just an Easter um, a service, really, where we're going to have a, a fun time, just a quiz about Jesus, and uh, they're putting together a special program. If anybody is um, up at Birdwood, they're most welcome to come. It starts at ten thirty, uh, Main Street of Birdwood, and it runs from ten thirty to uh, yeah to around about twelve thirty, and it's just going to be a fun time. And they're just doing some facts about Jesus, and and that's the way we're doing Easter. So lunch lunch afterwards? Uh, no, I don't think there's a lunch. We had a lunch last week and lunch next week, so. Probably not, but yeah. uh, folks, can I gonna, can yeah. I please encourage you? Uh, if ever you happen to be here in Adelaide and you want to go to a lovely uh, little little church up in the Adelaide Hills, the Birdwood Church is a is a beautiful uh, church to go to. Uh, at Birdwood, there's also the uh, uh, the Motor Museum. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what it's most well known for. The Australian National Motor Museum is in Birdwood, but you also have the Birdwood Church, and this is a small church. Uh, Thirty or forty people worship there week by week, and uh, uh, to me, it, it is friendly. It is outgoing. Uh, you know, people put their arms around you. Well, they used to before COVID came <laughs> along. They're not allowed to do that anymore, are they? Oh, dear me. Uh, but no, it's a lovely church. Look, if ever you uh, want to come here to Adelaide, it's certainly the church to uh, uh, one of the churches, apart from my own church over at uh, uh, over at uh, Brighton, of course. But uh, hey, um, invite you to that church as well. And now, guys, look, um, um, just uh, an article now, our World Watch asks, segment today we like to look at what's actually going on in the uh, in the big wide world and uh, i just picked up uh, just a, a week or so back from the sydney morning herald a an article talking about easter and this was what it was entitled second christmas the rise of easter as a commercial holiday now i've always thought it's becoming more and more commercial every year but now the secular press is picking up on this same theme easter is beginning to look a lot like christmas only with more pastels and and ceramic bunnies, oh, the article starts. And decorations traditionally reserved for Christmas have been given a makeover for Easter. Think wreaths and trees decorated with Easter eggs, hanging lights and even crackers or bonbons to pull at the table. Retail analyst uh, Trent Rigby, a co-director of consultancy retail Onasis, uh, said uh, retailers are now beginning to treat Easter as something of a second Christmas. Now the holiday has emerged as a popular time to exchange gifts. Mr Rigby said that many consumers were looking for alternatives to sugary products such as chocolate and it was now normalised to give children toys, clothing and money for Easter. Meanwhile, adult gifts were also growing in popularity with chocolate and other food items in the lead but also fashion, beauty, alcohol and personal entertainment. Mr Rigby said the trend is imported from the United States and Britain, while others point to the influence of the internet culture. Woolworths has noticed a rise in sales of 
pyjamas, plush toys and craft activities at Easter and believes one driver is a desire to dress children in matching pyjama sets. This year, shops such as Kmart, Target, Big W and Woolworths are heavily pushing Easter homewares, including table runners, napkins, dinner sets, decorations and garden decorations for rabbits. Of course, a lot of people are now decorating their homes in the fashion that they would decorate their homes at Christmas, he said. Uh, Woolworths reports Easter decor sales have increased 20% and Easter entertaining products have grown 14% just in the last 12 months. Now, Eric, as I as I read this, I sort of thought, hey, I mean, this is uh, uh, this is quite quite amazing. I mean, we've always recognised that increasingly Christmas and Easter is becoming a commercialised uh, enterprise. Now, we know that Easter has got um, pagan, not not biblical uh, origins, um, but what do you make of this commercialisation? You know, has the commercialisation become the, the new god of our age? Well, it seems to be that way, Gary. I mean, you know, when uh, Christmas is uh, finished, you're no sooner finished than you walk into Target or Kmart or whatever uh, at the end of January even and beginning of February and you'll see the Easter eggs already in there, already yeah, in place yeah, yeah. and uh, all the paraphernalia with it. Uh, what amazes me is is that uh, what's the, you know, what's the rabbit and what's the... Uh, the chocolates and the Easter eggs got to do with with uh, Good Friday and and the Easter time. Mm. Uh, I would wouldn't it be lovely if uh, instead they they saw they had um, Christian displays up, and you had uh, you know selling DVDs uh, about Christ and 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 there was a movement towards a God that uh, that died and is resurrected again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the shame of it all that uh, that the world is fooled now. It, it's complete denial of, of reality yeah. and it's a commercialism now that rules yeah. uh, rules of life trying to find happiness in these events when happiness begins in the home and should be all year round yeah. uh, through the love of Christ and and so yeah you see these things happening and it has extended more and more there's all sorts of, even Halloween when Halloween was around there's all sorts of things in there that you all ghoulish things are there and that's extended as well into pajamas yeah. and all yeah. sorts of things yeah. it's happening here as well so it seems to be that there's hardly a time period through the year that you're not bombarded with these these events. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose to me, Eric, the thing that really jumps out at me is that I, I believe more and more what we're seeing is that the commercialization of Christmas, Easter, uh, the Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, all all these events that uh, come up through the year, basically started to become the the new god. Mm. Of our age, you know, to me, hey, I, I think of Mother's Day and, uh, uh, hey, you know, a day to actually honour, uh, our, our mums. I, I think it's an excellent idea. And, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I've certainly lost my, my mother, uh, at this point, uh, in my, in my life. But, uh, you know, to have a day when we can celebrate and to acknowledge our mums is just so important. And yet I'm just so conscious that so often that is just simply tied up in the expense of money. Money and uh, money seems to be connected to this honouring. You can't honour 
without expense, uh, super expense on many occasions. The main thing with all these events, these things that we uh, celebrate through the year, is the fact that it's just actually being with family is the most important thing. Yeah, And uh, telling each one that you love one another and, and spending time with those you know, that uh, that you're brought up and uh, the grandchildren especially, uh, rather than having all the commercial stuff. So what I see often in the world when you're dealing with people and, and talking to them, uh, people that don't know Christ, is that the children are so wrapped up in what they're getting and the parents are so much under stress about having to provide that yeah. that it has become a burden in many cases. Yeah. Where yeah. Uh, And it yeah. causes such uh, such grief in the financial area. That yeah. it does become yeah. hard for them. So, you know, I think the whole thing is is to uh, is to get the families together and and, and just have that special time yeah. on a, on a holiday. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and uh, very powerful. Yeah. Listen, Eric, just one other very quick one, if I if I can, because I did actually the Christian Headlines website that I, I do actually follow uh, brought up another issue that uh, to me I think is really worth us uh, us mentioning, and uh, this concerned a protest that just occurred outside the Disney headquarters that was entitled "How to Stand." Up. Christians hold a protest outside of Disney headquarters in California. And this is what it said. Uh, On Wednesday, a crowd of Christians gathered outside Disney headquarters in Burbank, California, to protest the entertainment giant's efforts to include more uh, LGBTQ and content in its films and TV shows. Worship leader uh, uh, Sean Fetch uh, led the hold the line proste- protest where a swarm of parents, conservatives and Christians standing outside Disney's headquarters uh, shouted a boycott Disney. Uh, parents across America were blindsided by the fact that Disney uh, came to support people that were fighting for the sexualization of children starting even in kindergarten. As Christian Headlines previously reported, uh, Disney recently came under fire for opposing Florida's newly enacted parental rights in education law. The law bans classroom instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation in kindy to the third grade classrooms. Now, that to me seems eminently uh, sensible. Uh, uh, this, uh, this gentleman, Fetch, the founder uh, of this uh, protest, asserted that Christians must take a stand uh, on, uh, on this. A lot of people are really fired up, he said. I think Christians sometimes, uh, they get way too soft. Uh, they don't realize that they're actually quite powerful. We have a voice that can change things economically for Disney. We have a voice that can change things politically in, uh, in this country. Uh, we are called to be salt and light in every part of society. So when uh, issues like this happen, don't just uh, sit back down, stand up, he said. During Wednesday's protest, a female conservative Disney employee spoke out against the company's direction and encouraged her colleagues to let their voices be heard. I'm a cast member here for Disneyland, actually, the young woman explained. I've been with them for quite a long time and it's gotten very political and it's gotten very hard to be who you are. It's gotten very hard to be someone who has conservative values, someone who believes in the right to choose, someone who believes it's okay to stand up for righteousness, It's and it is okay to stand up for righteousness. Now, Eric, I'd just love to get your feedback on that particular question. Do you think it is has become difficult to be a conservative individual? 
It sure has. I think times have changed so much. Um, I, I've loved my Disney movies. I used to go and, and watch uh, all the all the cartoons and, and some of the movies, you know, Mary Poppins and some of the other ones. Great. Yeah. And it's a wholesome a wholesome thing that we liked as a family. But yeah. you're right, it has changed. And when you read this, and it's very disappointing to read, but it's not only Disneyland. It's it's the movie the movie world. It's becoming more and more gruesome out there. And uh, and they bring in magic and uh, and dwarfs and uh, you know all sorts of things, magicians and that, making it like a normal thing. And and that's the problem that it's it's when you have a voice, it's a minority voice now. It's it's what the world is is calling uh, and that's the evilness that we live in the world that things change and uh, there's no right or wrong there's no moral ground and when you start to influence children at a young age through this this is the worry that through um, things that you may not even know as a parent that your children could be watching in games or a television program on the computer and you're doing something else what is influencing them could be this very thing and that's where and of course this is what happens you know often what occurs is that uh, mum and dad are tied up you know maybe in the backyard doing something they're mm. you know they're they're doing other household uh, tasks and uh, they're, they're there working uh, and uh, you know Little junior, uh, he's he's there maybe with his friends, and so mum and dad put on a a Disney film. Now, of course, a Disney film certainly when when I was growing up, as as also with uh, with yourself, was certainly regarded as probably one of the most uh, safest uh, of the whole electronic uh, genre. Uh, that uh, that you could possibly you know expose your your young people to, mm. and yet it just seems that something has been slipped in uh, without our knowledge and understanding, and even parents today, many parents that I've actually spoken to, aren't actually aware that within Disney films and certainly the more recent Disney films, things are being slipped in, which uh, certainly would challenge the thinking of many. Uh, Christian parents. Yes, I was listening to the radio during the week and there was a psychologist on there and she was talking about the dangers of media to children, uh, movies, Facebook, and she was saying that uh, what's happening today is that many young people are being confused about their sexual identity because of all the stuff they're reading and the pressures that come on them from others as well and they are confused. It says it's confusing them at such a young age where they can't handle that, you know. Mm. It's far too young. And so you're right, that's Slipping it in through a Walt Disney movie or something that's small and uh, something that's for the younger generation. I mean, we we have standards, don't we? We have things where, you, you know, you don't drink to a certain age, you don't drive. But it seems like this other stuff can be promoted for any age group. Yeah. And that is the worry as a parent. So what we do in our homes makes a big difference, I think, to just be aware of what is happening out there. Yeah. And, and it's good to raise this issue now because these are the times when, especially at a young age that's when they learn the most the first few years of life yeah. is what they're making decisions and growing so this is really important to stand up and we need to speak up we need to say hey look you know uh, uh, that, that's not right you yeah. know i know i've spoken i've taken a few a few meetings certainly for our uh, for our church people uh, on particularly the whole subject of video gaming mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the parents that i've spoken uh, spoken to haven't been aware of what their young people 
people have actually been exposed to in the video gaming uh, field. You know, they, this was a, a fun thing that they thought, and I and I, I just simply took it. I don't play video games, but I, I have certainly done the research uh, into uh, uh, into what the commentators have said about it, and at various levels. You know, and I, I shared with uh, a number of uh, parents. I said, look, do you realise that at this level, this is what you can do. At this level, you can do this. At this level, you know, until finally you get to the uh, f- um, final level, and did you realise that you know your your children can be involved in uh, full blown rape? And uh, when you sort of share that with the parents and uh, you sort of suddenly think, wow, my, my, my son's only 12 or 13 and, uh, uh, you know, it, it frightens them because suddenly it brings them, you know, into this world is impacting our children without our knowledge. And it's addictive too. I mean, they have uh, places in China where uh, they actually detox people from the media and a lot of them are young children too that have actually caught up and doing so many hours. So, you know... uh, we do need to make a stand. And I don't know if I'm a conservative. You know, you use the word conservative. I think it's just being sensible and wanting the best for your children, whether you're Christian or not. I don't I think, think I don't, don't actually like the word conservative. No, I like I the word either. biblical. Yeah. Um, to yeah. me, I think we've got a choice here. Yeah. Uh, not between being conservative or not conservative. No. It's a choice between being biblical or non-biblical. And unfortunately, um, you know, too, too readily, we're not familiar with what the scriptures are actually saying. Mm, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Eric, look, let's come to some, uh, some music. Uh, it is, uh, uh, it is, uh, the, the Easter season. So we are going to be, uh, uh, thinking of, uh, of the, the story that so many are actually thinking of at uh, this particular time of the year. This is Tammy Larson. I love uh, to tell the story. Please enjoy. I love to tell the
was Tammy Larson. I love to tell the story. What a beautiful song that uh, that really is. Uh, now, folks, look, we do have a uh, a giveaway uh, book today. Now, our giveaway book is the uh, is the book Steps to Christ. Now, I love this book. I've read this book many many times myself. I use it in my devotional life. Eric, do you know the book Steps to Christ? Yes, beautiful. But my favourite, one of my favourites, Desire of Ages is first. Yes, and then Steps to Christ, and then Steps second. to Christ. Yeah. Love now, it. Steps to Christ is not a big book. It's uh, what is it about seventy or eighty pages? Easy reading. Um, easy reading. It's Very not not complex. It's the sort of thing that you can use for your devotional time in the morning. Yep. Uh, just a, a couple of pages. There's a whole host of scripture in there, and the scripture is so positive and and affirming. You know how it answers the question: How do I come uh, to Jesus Christ? And uh, uh, you know, to me, look, folks, if you would like a like a book that will really build your spiritual life, uh, this is the book that you need to need to grab. Uh, Steps to Christ. Now, look, if you'd like the book Steps to Christ, uh, all you uh, need to do is to text us uh, here at our studio text number. Now, our studio text number is 04-888-808-11. Now, that number again is 04 888 11. Now, all you need to do is to text us this code. The code is SA40, uh, SA40. Now, no gaps between the SA and the, and the 40, just SA40. And, uh, uh, that will go directly to our friend, the robot. Now, robot is called Faithful. We love, uh, our, our friend and the work that he does. He does some hard work for us and, uh, doesn't charge us a thing either. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have, uh, uh, Faithful, uh, doing his, uh, doing his thing uh, for us. Uh, so if you just uh, text us SA40 uh, to uh, uh, 04888 80811 uh, and uh, then Faithful, he'll uh, contact you, ask you a few questions uh, to get uh, your details so we can get this book to you in the fastest possible way. Guys, it's a Brilliant. This is a beautiful, beautiful book. I just encourage you. The book Steps to Christ, SA40, uh, and uh, just text that code to S- to 04888 uh, Now, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A uh, with our Pastor Gary. Uh, today, our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now, Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church and does an absolutely fantastic job um, in uh, in that location. Uh, this week, we're looking at the relevance of Easter in a post-biblical world. Uh, we've entitled the overall week, The Cross is Not Enough. Now, of course, we've said that because the cross without the resurrection is, in fact, not enough. Um, yesterday, uh, we asked, should I celebrate Easter? And we looked at some of the pagan origins, and we acknowledge that there are pagan origins. And yet, we are conscious that there are so many folks today that do um, like to uh, celebrate uh, the religious meaning uh, behind uh, behind Easter. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be asking, did Jesus really exist? Tomorrow, we're going to be asking, did the resurrection really happen? And then on Thursday, our guys are going to be uh, coming uh, coming to you and uh, and speaking on the issue of why is the resurrection so important? Uh, you'll love uh, this particular week. But Eric, look, um, uh, today, did Jesus really exist? I mean, this is one of the claims that, you know, I know that uh, certainly many non-believers, you know, Jesus didn't actually exist. I mean, is there evidence? There's a ton of evidence, more than we can actually show tonight, Gary. 
But you know, it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth, and the gospel of his amazing work has withstood the test of time, even if you look that, you know. Yeah. Um, this is a, a, a man who was neither rich, uh, nor did he have, you know, a lot of powerful uh, um, friends in the community. He did not even have a home that he could call his own. Uh, and yet 2,000 years ago, people still talk about him. And we have a, a special book called The Bible, which actually gives talks about his birth and his resurrection. And when you look at it, Gary, we're probably biased tonight because we're Christians, we're followers of Christ. So we've got to look at evidence from from the Christian source. Yeah. But we're also going to look at some evidence from the Roman source, which was at his time, the Romans were in power, but also others too in the modern era that actually talk about him. And it's quite interesting when you delve into some of these things. Uh, to me, Christ is real. Yeah. And to the listeners listening that know Christ, they know he is real. And we can testify that by our lives, by what he's, by, you know, how he's uh, blessed us. How he's changed us is the greatest miracle that Jesus exists. To me, that is the greatest I'm so miracle. glad you actually started with that, Eric, you know, because one of the things I'm conscious of is that we're going to look at some of the, some of the really hard evidence that is actually there tonight, mm-hmm. but because there is a huge amount of hard evidence that just simply says Jesus really did exist. And that comes from not just biblical sources, but extra biblical sources as well. But ultimately, uh, do you know, it's when you actually have uh, Jesus, and you've accepted him into your life, that something seems to take place. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, how do you, you know, when I, I was praying this morning, and when when you, you speak uh, to the God of heaven, and he responds through his Holy Spirit, uh, a, a peace settles upon you in a way that, you know, you realize that uh, there is something supernatural that certainly occurs in the process of prayer, you can talk to your friend. And I've had friends, uh, Pastor Gary, that uh, one was actually a, a barman, owned his own pub. Yeah. And um, Pastor Billy Otto went in there and, and started studying with uh, one of the barmaids, and he joined in, and, and uh, he gave his life to Christ. And I still remain, remember him standing up with Pastor Otto, being an elder in the church eventually, yeah. with yeah. a barman on one side, Pastor Otto in the middle. Uh, that, to me, is the greatest evidence of that Christ lives today, and he, he existed from way back. Um, as the scriptures have mentioned. And, you know, you can try and explain to somebody, they say, well, where's your God, you know, where is he, you know. Uh, you can give the evidence that we've got here tonight, but I think the greatest evidence is the change of one's life, where friends can see a change. Yeah. The family, most importantly, see a change. Yeah. And and this is what is happening in the world, because as the world grow, grows more, I believe there's a remnant that will stand for Christ and will show what we're talking about today, the morals yeah, of the yeah. world. And what Christ has written in his word is, is so powerful that it will enable people to stand at the end of time for what is true and what is right and morally right that doesn't hurt other people. Because yeah. what we're talking about before about commercialism uh, is all 
it's just make-believe. It's just there, you know. And when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, and I know we've got to get to our subject, but this is so important. Yes. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, the change does take place. You know, I can think in, in my ministry of a numerous times. In fact, I, I think particularly of, of two guys. Both of them were on various forms of, of drug addiction. And I will remember one of them. Um, came, uh, came to me and, uh, uh, he had, somebody, a pastor had actually prayed for him because he was addicted to a, uh, to what at that time was a very strong drug. Mm. And, uh, he, he said to me, he said, uh, Gary, he said, uh, he became a member of my church. He said, on, uh, on the day that I was baptized, I was higher. Um, and he wasn't meaning drug higher. He said, I was feeling closer to God. I was feeling on a, my, the high that I had, and it wasn't a drug-induced high. He said, I was feeling higher than I ever felt in any drug-induced uh, high That's that God. I had. And, you know, when, when he said that to me, I realized that, you know, once again, uh, the, the, the God of heaven had actually spoken to someone. He had actually uh, worked in his life. He had changed life. Mm. Um, but you know, yeah, to, to me, that's, that's right. something that you know. It's only when you've experienced it that you can turn around and say, "Hi, hey, look, you know, uh, this is so incredibly real." But look, yeah. what about the empirical evidence? Well, the if we start off first of all with historians and uh, and people uh, that we know more about, like Albert Einstein, for instance, a German-born Jewish physicist, asserted that he was a Jew, but I'm enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. When asked if he viewed Jesus as a historical person, he responded unquestionably, no one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such a life. And there are others like um, Michael Grant, a historian and an expert on ancient classical civilization, noted, if we apply to the New Testament as we should, the same sort of criteria as we should apply to other ancient writings containing historical material, we can no more reject Jesus' existence than we can reject the existence of a mass of pagan personalities whose reality as historical figures is never questioned. So um, what he's saying is there's enough evidence written, there's enough evidence in archaeology to prove that Jesus really existed. And yeah. these are from the these are from people who are historians. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking outside of the biblical era, but I'd like to really move on to some of the crack stuff, and uh, um, I really love this one uh, about somebody that was Roman. Um, Jesus lived during the time of the Roman Empire, and that was at its height; it was the most powerful. And the first kind of evidence we have is from Roman writers, and one ancient Roman author called Tacitus who wrote about 80 years after Jesus died, had this to say about him. He said, Christians derived their name from a man called Christ, who during the reign of the emperor Tiberius had been executed by sentence of the procator Pontius Pilate. The deadly superstition thus checked for the moment broke out afresh, not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, so he's calling this an evil, what the yeah, Christians yeah, are doing. Yeah, yeah. So of course, of course, Tacitus is actually a enemy of, he's a, he's a Roman, he's an yes. enemy of the, the Christian people. That's you right. Know, he, he is not in, you know, to me, uh, Eric, one of the fantastic things is when, when my, when I'm saying things about people that I like, 
Mm. then you might call me biased. Mm. But it's when people who are uh, who don't believe what I believe, who believe exactly the opposite, when they support what the believers are saying, it's at that point I turn around and say, hey, this is hard evidence. That's right. Well, he's recording here about this this person, Jesus, being mixed up in what he called uh, superstition and the source of evil in his eyes. Uh, but also he went on to say, um, in the city of Rome where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world become popular. So here he gives us good basic information about Jesus. Jesus says, lived in the region of Judea. Today we would call it Israel-Palestine. Mm. That's the area he's from. Mm. He lived during the reign of the Roman Emperor Tiberius and he was executed under the Roman governor Pontius Pilate AD 26 to 36. That's mm. the time we're talking about. But the really interesting thing about this quote from uh, Tacitus is that he is so obviously opposed to Christianity that if he had lived today he would have probably had a Facebook of hatred against Christ and the Christians, yeah, yeah. but here he is actually recording something down that actually fits in perfectly with the Gospels and the time it was put, the place that Jesus was, and as we understand it from the Bible, here he's playing Jesus in, in this, and he passes on this information that supports that Jesus was a real person. Yeah. This is someone that hated him. Yeah, and yeah, want him yeah, done away yeah, with. So yeah. this is really important. It's it's not a biased look at it. It's it's evidence. It's it's the evidence that comes from an extra biblical sources. And of course, so often, I mean, to me, the biblical sources are actually powerful enough yes. uh, because they are the biblical sources are authentic. We've actually got so many copies uh, of the New Testament that they virtually swamp uh, those who go and uh, go and look for evidence, but. Mm. Uh, these are non-biblical sources which certainly non-Christian people seem to look for. Um, Jesus, mm. according to Tacitus, mm. did actually exist. It's, that's right. So now we've looked at uh, those who have commentated from historian perspective. We've looked at one now from a Roman uh, a Roman person. Uh, but now the next bit of evidence we looked comes from a Jewish writer. Uh, and this was Josephus. And he wrote his book about 60 years after uh, Jesus uh, died. So there is no surprise of this because Jesus was a Jew. But one of the Christian writers says this. Uh, he says, At this time there appeared Jesus, a wise man, a doer of startling deeds, a teacher of people who received the truth with pleasure. And he gained a following both amongst many Jews and among many of Greek origin. And when Pilate, because of an accusation made by the leading men amongst us, condemned him to the cross, those who had loved him previously did not cease to do so. And up until this very day, the tribe of Christians named after him has not died out. So he's writing here something really important. He's talking about here about a person who was a, a very wise man, a person called Jesus, a doer of startling deeds, things mm, that he, mm. he's writing down here that he's amazed at, a teacher of people who received the truth with pleasure. So as he spoke, people were, were really sucking it in the truth because Jesus brought freedom to people, yeah. not not like the obsessed uh, teachers of the day. And he gained a huge following, it says here, amongst Jews, but also 
of the Greek origin, and then it talks about Pilate. So this is a really interesting quote because he reports a bunch of information that once again fits perfectly of what we have in the Gospels. So this is another source outside of the Gospel. Yeah, Josephus yeah. was a Jewish writer who's got a lot of writings about Christ. Yeah, And, and when you it's start amazing. to see a, a, a non-Christian uh, non-believer starting to talk about a Christos, Christ, who is able to do supernatural activity, you sort of start to say, well, what is actually going on here? I mean, the, the other thing that particularly stands out to me as well is that you actually get the, um, uh, the Jewish people themselves uh, never actually speak against. It would have been so easy to have said about the one Jesus, Jesus Christ that, hey, look, he simply didn't exist. But we actually don't get that at any point. Uh, all we get is uh, uh, we get condemnation uh, from uh, Jewish sources, but we don't actually get any uh, any uh, um, any statement saying he didn't exist. That's right. You're right there. And, you know, there's 27 separate books all talking about a historical person called Jesus. And that's pretty good evidence in itself. Yeah. 27 historical books of the Bible which talk about him, which is amazing. And another, another really good reason to, con to convince me, if I needed convincing, uh, is eyewitness testimony of somebody that lived so long ago that recorded down as eyewitness testimony in the Gospels. Eric, I wonder if, let's just hold that point. Mm. Let's come back to that one if we possibly yeah. can. Let's just come to some music because yep. I'm conscious our time is starting okay. to get away from us. Uh, we'll come back to that one if we can just immediately uh, after this song. This is uh, Frontier and uh, it's uh, the Resurrection Song. Please, please enjoy. Yeah. 
Frontier and Frontier was singing the resurrection song. I really appreciated that uh, uh, that particular song. And now, folks, please remember our gift for you today is uh, a beautiful book, uh, Steps to Christ. I love this book. Uh, I have read it many times uh, myself. Uh, I use it particularly in a dev- as in a devotional format. I love it. It'll it talks to uh, to you and uh, shares how you can come to Jesus Christ. Uh, the first chapters in titled uh, The Love of God uh, and it just expresses the love of God just so well. It talks about a repentance and confession. Uh, it talks about uh, the importance of prayer. It talks about how you can develop in your own life a powerful walk with Jesus Christ. It's called Steps to Christ. And now, look, guys, if you would like that book, Steps to Christ, uh, all you need to do is to text us here at our studio text number. Now, our studio text number is 04888-80811. That number again is 04888-80811. And just in your text, just put the SA40. Uh, no gaps between the SA and the 40, just SA40. And uh, our robot is called Faithful. And, uh, he will, uh, he'll pick that up and he'll respond to you and he'll get the information off you that we need, uh, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest, uh, possible, possible way. Uh, so if you'd like that book, Steps to Christ, SA40, and just text us 04888 
80811. And you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Eric Hoare. And Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, right here in beautiful Adelaide. Uh, and this week uh, we're looking at the relevance of Easter in a post-biblical world. Uh, we've entitled the overall week, The Cross is Not Enough. The Cross is Not Enough, of course, because the cross without the resurrection uh, would not be enough. Uh, yesterday we are asked, uh, should I celebrate uh, Easter? And today we're simply asking, uh, did Jesus really exist? And of course, just before our break there, Eric, uh, you took us to uh, some of the New Testament evidence that was sitting there. Just share with us, we need to come bring this together. Well, Pastor Gary, we need to turn to the four biographies of Jesus in the Bible, the the four Gospels. And uh, the result is that the Gospels have a ring of truth about them because they talk about the time and the customs customs and it places Jesus back in the time that he lived and uh, one of the big ones I think is Luke 1 1 to 4 where it says I am convinced that we can trust the gospels is that they're based on uh, eyewitness testimony look at what Luke says here in Luke 1 1 to 4 it says many people have tried to tell the story of what God has done amongst us they write what we had been told by the ones who were there in the beginning and saw what happened so I made a careful study of them and uh, then every and decided to write and tell you exactly what took place, honourable uh, therapist. I have done this to let you know the truth about what you have heard. Now here he's writing here to a therapist who apparently was a high priest from a very wealthy family telling him uh, exactly what had been taking place to inform him about Jesus. And so what Luke is doing here, he is telling not only therapists, but he's telling us that where he got his information from, he says he got it from people who actually knew Jesus, people who saw what he did and and heard what he said. Mm. What's more, Luke wrote his gospel within 50 years of Jesus' death. This means that when Luke was writing, there would have still been some people around who had seen and heard Jesus and who could have corrected the story of Luke if he had got it wrong. But it it doesn't do that. So what it's saying here is that he got his evidence from people that had been with Jesus and he had written them down as a a, a guide to to other people and the gospels is like reading a good history and it's not a made up story the telltale sign here is that the four gospels all relate basically the same story but they're filled in different details and they tell it from a slightly different point of view and as strange as it may seem it is these believable differences that make make it easy to trust them because if you had four writers that were in were in cahoots with one another They'll be writing the same thing. Yeah. But what yeah. it does is it gives you the same idea, but from different perspectives. It's yeah. like you and I watching a car accident. I guarantee if you give evidence, you'd probably get the basics right, but we would differ in some of those things. And that's exactly. what the Gospels do. It's yeah. a proof that, uh, that, that, that there's no cohesion here about yeah. what's been put down uh, in the Gospels. Yeah, and this is the thing that is, uh, to, to me, that really reassures me. This isn't just a, a made-up story because the, certainly the New Testament documents, the earliest documents, there are thousands of them, and they go back uh, virtually 
uh, to the now we don't have the originals of course uh, but they go back to uh, certainly uh, within about a hundred years of where uh, Jesus and the uh, apostles were living now you know as you look at that you you say hey this is this is truly remarkable because the sheer number the sheer number of copies means that they can be uh, they can be tested they can be compared they can be analyzed uh, and uh, uh, certainly any any other uh, major literary work uh, that had this amount of evidence uh, would uh, certainly uh, be ha- have the conclusion drawn that this is conclusive. That's right, and it's interesting too, uh, Pastor Gary, that the people who who were led by the Holy Spirit to write down the words in Scripture in the Bible were entrusted with truth. They would not be careless. Yeah. Uh, you know, we read in John's Gospel where Jesus speaks himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and Matthew records Jesus telling his hearers that when God judges them, they'll have to give an explanation for every careless word that they have spoken or written down. Matthew twelve thirty six says that that the Bible isn't to be added to or whatever. It says that uh, you know we're to be um, we're held responsible for every word that we utter. The point is, is that I'm saying is that the gospel writers obviously cared about the truth. They present Jesus saying that God will judge us if we fail to tell the truth. And in my mind, that makes it uh, clear that they were writing down everything as they heard and saw it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and certainly some of it. I mean, you think of uh, Luke's gospel. Luke was, of course, a physician. Yes. Uh, he oh, was yeah. a, a trained man yep. in uh, his particular uh, era, uh, and yet uh, he's able to compile what he does by research. I mean, he's familiar with the process of research. Mm. He actually writes the gospel of Luke and then carries on into the book of Acts and concludes the story in the book of Acts. Mm. I love, I encourage people, uh, look, if ever you want to be incredibly blessed, uh, to me, I love the Gospel of uh, Luke. That's the primary one for me. Yep. And then moving into uh, Luke's, I call it the Gospel of Acts because to me there's so much good news in uh, uh, in the book of Acts as well. And the big thing I think, Gary, to bring it all together is you couldn't have those that wrote the Gospels and the Bible writers coming up with what they came up with. As you said, the disciples yeah. were fishermen. They were from all over, rough men. Yeah. Yeah. To come up with what has been written here is supernatural. We've got something here. Put out by God, but something that's non-negotiable. One that Jewish of Nazareth was a Jewish teacher who led, lived in Palestine. He lived from five BC to AD thirty-three. Jesus taught people about the kingdom of God. Uh, he was famous for hanging out with sinners and outcasts uh, in society in which he lived. He did amazing things that people called miraculous. Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem on a Roman cross, and Jesus' followers started claiming pretty. Soon after his death, he had come back to life again. They are non-negotiables. This is witnessed evidence. He'd present in a courtroom, and even though he lived thousands of two thousand years ago, the evidence is there. There's no. And I think that's so beautiful what you're saying because to me, you know, so often we think of okay, the story of Jesus is in fact a faith statement. Well, actually. 
it's evidence based. Yes. You know, the evidence is certainly there. This is not just simply, uh, you know, a, a faith statement that somebody dreamed up uh, 200, 300 years after uh, the time of the New Testament writers. This is evidence based material. And of course, this is, we're going to get into this on, on Thursday because Paul is incredibly strong on this. He says, mm. he says, hey, look, if this evidence doesn't stack up, then mm. you're wasting your time. Yeah. But we're going to come to that on, uh, <laughs> uh, on Thursday. And I better not go into, into that one just, uh, just yet um, but guys look we are starting to, to come we do need to, to bring this together I'm just wondering let's uh, let's bow our heads together in prayer Father in heaven Lord we come to you right now Lord you are the almighty God uh, Lord I, I want to say thank you for sending uh, the son Jesus Christ uh, to this earth Lord thank you for sending him uh, as in a in a real body uh, as a real person but with a real work to do something for us, uh, Lord, um, at uh, at Easter time, um, yeah, we know there's so much of pagan symbolism tied up uh, with uh, uh, with this time of the year. We know it's been commercialized uh, beyond recognition, and yet, Lord, it's also a time when people uh, there are there are some who want to acknowledge uh, Jesus as the Son of God. Lord, we just want to say thank you for sending him. We want to uh, worship Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you might give us the gift of your Holy Spirit, that indeed Jesus might become incredibly real to us at this time mm. uh, of, uh, of the year. Mm. Uh, Lord, we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing with Pastor David Butcher and we're going to be asking the question, uh, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Uh, really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.